What's up, all you disciple makers out there? This is Dave Stovall, and you're listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast. I love this episode. If you've ever felt like you don't have enough answers to be a disciple maker, then this episode is for you. I felt that myself. Or if you have somebody that you're discipling that has said those words to you, I'm not smart enough to, or know the Bible enough to disciple somebody, then share this episode with them. This is a fantastic way to sort of help each of us personalize our approach to disciple making, whether it's one person at a time or in groups of 12. Doug Burrier does a great job of explaining the different hats that we wear when we're making disciples and how Jesus had the advantage of knowing the hearts of those he was discipling. But we too can learn how to motivate people, to guide them, and how to lead the people that we're pouring into. Enjoy this episode. This is One Do and Five Don'ts in Disciple Making. Here we go. All right, question number one. In the back. Yeah, so um, you talked about uh, assigning the reading in year one and like Bible in a year. How do you decide that? So it's, we have a reading plan that is based on the word count of the Bible, so people get used to reading the same thing. You read the Bible cover to cover, you're one, two, and three, just with a different objective. And so those, those, those objectives are just fine. Very simply, year one, we want you to gather a bunch of truths. Year two, we want you to, as you're gathering truths, build connections between them. It's a very, we talked about this the last time. I'm not shutting that down. I will be more than happy to give you that detail, but we have a very detailed way that they do that. So yeah, any other questions? Yeah, it does. If, for those of you who aren't here, we did a mock group showing how a lot of these think, principles come together. Um, we do do other stuff. I want to remind you, because you're just, we don't have the whole time in world. We are hitting one one of like six methods that took us from 30 to 95, right? So there are other, and they tell you there's workshops, there's books. We, we'll just sit and talk with you. We can help you. But there's like six of these methods that all kind of combined. Okay, cool. All right. Okay, I missed the very beginning prayer point, but you kept coming back to it. What was your guidance for how they were supposed to They were supposed to pray for one thing that they needed. We always open our groups up saying, but we actually have different, once they get good at that, we change it up and break their brain. This hilarious that we tell everybody to ask God for what they need, right? By the way, if you don't teach them to hear from God, this will never work. Like they've, so this is part of the principle. But what we're doing is a very unconventional way because we're brain scientists. We're trying to work with the way they work. Disruption. The only way to get something new in is to disrupt something, to plow the field. So we're saying pray for something you need, right? But people don't do that. They want to thank God and my aunt. No. What do you need? He walks in right now. What do you need? Because he said, ask and I will fill your needs. What? And we're like, oh, but that's selfish. No, that's a relationship with Christ. So once they get good at that question, we throw in other things like, well, ask God, you know, so we, we have a whole list. I'm not going to give them all to you because you, maybe you'll get into discipleship. I'm going to ruin it for you. But, but so, so we have a whole set of feeder questions that will change. And people get addicted to this, by the way. Annoyingly addicted, he says to the back of the room. All right. Any other questions before we get going? Yeah. Can you, can you have non-believers? Yeah. Dude, you can put anybody in a group. They will probably filter out pretty quick, though. Like that'll happen. Like they'll filter. They, yeah. They, that's a, yes. The, the, the simple answer is absolutely yes. They're going to get in or they're going to get out. 
Oh, we get tons of these believers who are uh, boomerang believers, and this just fixes them forever. Like, this is just awesome. Yeah. But yeah, because you know why most people are boomerang believers? is because we didn't give them value. We didn't give them relationship with Christ. We didn't prepare them, and they became a dead panda, and that's on us. So when we go back and all of a sudden we're the nurse and we're hooking the, the dying panda up to some blood, we're pumping in life, they get that, they see that, they stay it, and they stick it. I got saved as an adult. Anybody else get saved as an adult? Okay, so then you know. I am very clear on who I was without Christ and who I am. If you grew up as a Christian your whole life, you're not as clear on that. So these boomerang people make some of the best disciples on the planet because they're prodigals. They went out. They, they slept with the pigs. What's the first thing you saved them to get them to even? Because they said, don't pray for me. Don't. Ah. Well, I mean, if they don't want me to pray for them, they go, okay, I won't. But that's me. Because why? Because I'm going to use brain science. It's actually a plea for them to say, pray for me, but I'm just going to agree with them. I learned this from my wife, by the way, though I, I, this is, though I know this is good data from you know, decision science. And my wife is great at this. And I go, God, honey, I suck. And she goes, you know, I was just thinking you do. <laughs> It'll shut you up. It'll shut you up. So just, you know, you're OK, I won't pray for you. Well, I'm not going to come to discipleship. You shouldn't. I'm good. I mean. I'm good. You accuse me of lying because I'm probably going to pray for him. So I'm a liar. I'm going to go to you're going to hell, right? Isn't it you? Yes. OK, good. Double hell. If you weren't here for the first two sessions, not my fault. He had bad answers. OK, good. Any other questions before we start? It's your it's your breakout. You can interrupt as we go. Anybody questions before we go? All right. Welcome to Blue Hat. Blue Hat is, is this is probably one of my favorite principles. You're going to see, by the way, um, you're going to see we, we had a big, long discussion after our last meeting. We had this long, long discussion. And they're like, but there are other methods. Well, one of them is we read books that aren't from the Bible. We have a, a curated. You, you can do whatever you want. But we have a curated. We share it with everybody. Uh, it's like it's about 100 books. And we've found over our years of research that these books fit in certain parts of discipleship making to, to, to really angle in on things. Like we do Search for Significance. Anybody know that book? We did that in Discipleship One to kind of nail some of this identity stuff. So, and, in, and we, our online library not only has like links to buy them, but it tells you like, well, we do this over six weeks. We haven't read this many. I mean, it's like our best. So it, exactly how we use it to get the best results, right? And then you can go like, well, I don't really like that book. Like my, the, the shack is in there and I'm just... I'm not a big Shaq fan. I mean, I think it's cool because it disrupts and, you know, think about who God is and forgiveness and all that. Has seven pages of horrible doctrine at the end. I can tell you where it's at. Just horrible. But the guy, you know, he's not a theologian, right? So if you like it, great. If you don't, great. We have a book that pairs well to substitute. So just put a book in that achieves the same purpose, which pushes what? Forgiveness and reconciliation, right? So, but we have, that's available to you. You can get that, like, just ask somebody, they'll tell you. So, but, so we have, we do like this extra biblical reading. One of the books we read is a book called Six Thinking Hats by Edward de Bono. Big D, little E, big B, O-N-O. Incredible book. And in this book, Edward de Bono's entire whole goal is to get us to have better groups, to manage them better, to make them more efficient. How many people sit in meetings that you absolutely hate? And to buy this and hand it to the person and go, I got you a gift. <laughs> All right, good. 
So DeBerna describes in this book six hats. Okay, so he has six hats. The red hat, which is emotion. Can, and none of these are bad. They're just hats. So I you to think you're sitting in a meeting and somebody's wearing the red hat, right? There's... Okay? Then you have the white hat, which is data. This would be me at most meetings. But I want to know. Data. No, actually, this would be Tim. Data, data, data. The black hat is critical thinking. This is... You're chunking through it and you're thinking, well, you know, I, I don't know exactly, but we're going to weigh this against this and that. Okay? And then creativity is the green hat. Right? This is like, hey, but if we painted the building purple... Right. And then this is a hat. So many of us need yellow is just hope. So as the as the data people and the emotional people and the critical thinking people are destroying our worlds, there usually is somebody in the group who slaps on the hope hat. Right. But we made it through this. You know, the hope, we all need it. So you, have the, so you have the hope hat. And then there's the blue hat and the blue hats control. And believe it or not, in most meetings, the leader of the meeting or team does not own the blue hat. They're not wearing it. Been to those meetings? Yeah. Okay. So what does this blue hat have to do with discipleship? Well, the blue hat is your best friend when you go to make disciples. Now, believe it or not, you're thinking, but Doug, I don't buy into your group disciple making statistics. Okay, I'm good. Go make disciples one on one. I'm fine. You still won't have the blue hat. Haven't you ever been in one-on-one -on -one thing and everything you say, they just counter? It's like this constant argument. Did you know it's easier to defeat that in a group? Because the group will get tired of it and it will self-correct. So to think that you have the blue hat merely by the function of numbers or that you're the leader... Uh -uh. I forget who it was. it was. Maxwell, one of the leadership people who writes books, said, the moment you have to tell them you're the leader, you're, you're not. Well, technically you are. There is a time when you have to, like, put your foot down. But in that moment, you're putting your foot down because you're not the leader. So your blue hat is your best friend. You cannot. Did you see? Uh, what is your name, Mr. John? John? Yeah, John. John kept trying to take my blue hat. Did you see that? <laughs> And what did I say? Oh, no, you don't. So when I, when I run a discipleship one group, I'm not thinking just about me, but who's going to have them next year? Because I'm not. Because by the way, when you do effective groups, what? Never the same leader, never the same group. Why? Body of Christ. Varied, right? Get it? Okay. So I'm preparing this whole group for the next thing. So when I do discipleship one, we go over this hat thing and I make it very clear. You can wear whatever hat you want. I will deal with you at that level, but you do not take my blue hat. And I really lean on it in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way so that later on I can make a joke that they know I'm dead serious about. Does that make sense? So the moment you lose control of a group, you're done. You don't have to know everything. and You're not going to like this. You ready, man? You got to fake it till you make it. It takes time to get all this together. But your job, you don't have to say to them, well, this is my first discipleship group. <laughs> no, you just look at John and go, no, John, you're not taking my blue hat. Then you go home and worry. Oh, God, is he going to come back? <laughs> but, you, but you do that at home. And Amber says to you, yeah, he'll never come back. Okay, you got it. So, but the point is, is you can't let that blue hat go. Why? Well, because you're the emperor of the universe. No. 
because you are the guide. And the moment the guide takes his hat off and gives it to a hiker who's never been up Everest, the entire group is going off the mountain. It's not about you being in control. It's about you guiding them through this process in a way that works. But you can't let your blue hat get taken. Derek is right here in the front row. Derek is, we're on what, week 10, 12, 14, 16? 16-ish. How many times have you lost your blue hat, Derek? Quite a bit. You've pointed out. Where's your blue hat? Derek is the first person that we've ever done game films with. He like, videotapes his group, got their permission, sends them to me. This is entirely a time-exhaustive process for both of us. I watch the game film, then we have an after-game meeting. It has been so enlightening to me to do this. We've had so much fun. But you lose the blue hat less now, right? But at the beginning, it was like, oh, the wheeze. If you were in the mock group, when, when my wonderful friend, we, no, you're not my teacher. Shh. <laughs> Stop. And they just steal the blue hat. So it takes time. But you want to get, you got to get that blue hat, like, and keep it. Okay? So you have to wear it. So the one do of running a group, the one do, if you do nothing else, is what? Lead. Guide, you have to keep your blue hat. What does this mean for you? I can't read. My contacts are frizzing up. Your name is? Yes, you. Brian. Brian. This means that Brian cannot cheat on his wife. Because if you do, even though we're all forgiving, you will lose your blue hat. Because they will take it off of you and they will shred it. You say, wait, what are you talking about? I thought this was about just leading a meeting. No. Your blue hat is given to you in trust. You walk in with it, but it's given to you in trust. So when I open up a group, do you know what I do? I say this. I, I try to bait you every, at the beginning of every meeting. What questions do you have? You guys want to ask me anything. Like you, that's not true. You ask me some things. When I open up a group, I go, okay, listen, what do you want to know about me? I wore the red shirt today because the first talk was uh, black and white and red all over. And that cute. And I had to change the clothes because I don't like these pants. But then we kept talking to me. So I'm really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> I don't like wearing black pants. I don't know why. It creeps me out. Anything else you guys want to know? What's your biggest fear? My biggest fear? <laughs> That's a really good question. Hang on. I'm going to answer you honestly. I got, I, I, I'm sorting through them. Um, no, I don't know that I have a ton of fear. Dude, I need help. Jamie, where are you? What's my biggest fear? Tim? <laughs> This may be my biggest fear that I can't figure out. Like, I don't really live in fear a lot. I'm going I'm to have to abstract it, okay? I, forgive me, because what I'm getting ready to say is going to kind of ding my father. I really, like, this works so well, and I know this works so well, but I feel entirely unqualified 
to do this. We've talked some about this. Is that a good way to put it? It's a whole new world for me. They made me stand on the stage today. One of my dearest friends said, you need to grow up. Like you love walking with people and that works because I am very much of that. But it's a big room. People can't see you. You're five foot four. Grow up. Get on the stage. Do you get it? So it's just a lot of change. There's a lot of change. Yeah. What else? What do you want to know? Yeah, you top that, man. (laughs) What do you want to know? Yeah. Yeah. We have two incredible kids. One is a a lighting designer and director uh, in the theater industry. Uh, It's just rocking it. And our daughter teaches um, fine arts at a at a charter school. Yeah. Anything else? You don't want anything else about me? Come on. Music do you listen to? Oh, I listen to everything. I drive my friends who like pop nuts by listening to country, because a country is like the best music ever written. Only because from a lyric standpoint, it stomps. Right. Right. Body like a back road. I want to do a couples conference, and that's our opening song. <laughs> Like about intimacy. I mean, I, right? It's, it, country music is great. I love, I love Taylor Swift. I love to listen to uh, who's my boy that I listen to. That remix reminded me of. Yeah, that's it, Justin Bieber. Yeah, I listen. I like. I uh, hate. I don't really like classical. Amber does, but I listen to, like pop, country. I listen to Christian. I like to, like everything. Uh, rap wears me out quick. Bluegrass, I'm a big, amazed at all that technicality. But after a song or two, I'm like, ah, I'm out, you know? But yeah, a, a wide variety of stuff. So my playlist is all over from acid and metal. I mean, I, I pretty much have like cleaned it up or bought the clean stuff, but yeah. What do you plan to do when you retire? I'm not going to retire. That's simple. I just, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to keep making disciples and do stuff. Uh, in case you're looking for a great teaching job, we have an incredible church. We are looking for our future teacher. Feel free to apply um, because this is so busy and doing this. But I can't retire because I don't work. Yeah, I, was, I don't know. I think I, we may slow down and go, you know, somewhere. But no, no, no plans. Yeah. How do I deal with conflict? Like a bull in a freaking china shop. <laughs> I read this verse in the Bible that said, don't let the sun go down on your anger, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I hate conflict. When I'm pushing in the group, like I, I didn't get time. I don't know where Lisa went, but she was in the group. It's kill me. Y'all ask me questions. All I want to do is go hug Lisa and go, are we good? Because the thing that I hate most about discipleship is pushing people, but it is the very thing you need to do. They tell me I'm great at it, but I hate it. So I try to handle conflict with a lot of grace and this and that. The joke is bull in a china shop. Um, way better than I was when I was in my 30s. Yeah. Serious bull. So people like that that hate to hurt everybody's feelings, they can still do that. Oh, I am the most sensitive. Yeah. Can I just sing you a song? Anything I can do, you can do better. You can do anything better than me. I promise you. He's like, I can't run that group, and I don't think you can. This is my big, we're going to spend some time together, brother. He's like, yeah, I'm going to pick somebody to run the group. I'm like, you pick anybody who's making disciples and let them do it. Anybody can do this, and they're better at them, and, and pick him. He's like Rico Suave. Like, hey, just, he, he says stuff where I'd be agitating people. He's like, and they're like, oh, thank you, Derek, for telling me I'm bad. <laughs> we are the opposite sins of this. Anything else? All right, good. Do you see what I did? 
All I did was take five, 10 minutes of your precious time and built trust. You trust me now, probably because of all of it, but definitely because of this question. So I open up with that because the rest of the year of discipleship is not going to be about me. We're not going to talk about me. I'm not going to cover my highlights. I'm not going to, there's nothing about Doug. I'm not going to say, I think nothing because it's all about you and your savior, you and the Holy Spirit. But I'm still going to share my life with you, but not in that group. But when I'm opening up, you need to understand, I walk in with the blue hat. I'm going to tell you I have the blue hat, but you need to be able to trust me. You need to be able to trust me that I actually know what I'm doing. You're like, but we don't know what we're doing. Fake it till you make it. You do. Listen, we are not selling a program. We're not selling anything. But I'm telling you, these methods are so simple that once you get them and get a little coaching, anybody can do it. Your confidence will be dead set. Three or four weeks, you're like, well, why did they get paid to do this, these pastor people? And it's a really good question. <laughs> Pastors ask me all the time, what happens when you do this? What's your life like? And I'm like, free at last. Thank God Almighty. Man, you're good. You go into a church full of people who are on fire for the Lord and have some meat on their bones, you get to worship instead of worry. It's incredible stuff. So you got to keep that blue hat. So the one thing you want to do is establish and keep that blue hat. And you do that by who you are. You do that by, right? You get it? So the blue hat. But what about the other hats? I want to look at them for a minute. Okay? This is your first don't. This is your first don't. You cannot lead on emotion. If you lead on emotion, you will mess this up all day long. I don't care what you think, how you feel. You're going to hear stuff. If you do this right, you're going to hear stuff. People are going to tell you they have open marriages. And you said, wait, it's not a support group. No, it's not a counseling group. They're just going to do it. Like they're going to be sitting there and they're going to be like, okay, so like I've asked again and again and again, why did David get to multiple wives and this? How could that all be wrong? By the way, when somebody highlights multiple spouses, multiple spouses, multiple spouses, multiple spouses, you should be thinking, hmm. <laughs> and if they come in carrying a pineapple, you should run. <laughs> if you don't know the pineapple joke, we'll explain it later. So, so but the point is, they're going to say stuff like this. They're, they're just going to go like, God convicted me of this. And your reaction needs to be what? Nothing. No emotion. Because you need to be praying. Okay, God, what do I need to do? Are you speaking to this? What's that? I need to say, so my classic line is this. You want my cheater line? Like, I'm a harlot. Okay, well, what are you going to do about that? What answer am I looking for? If we had the pathway thing up that we had last time, or if you're holding your pathway card, I'm looking for what? Repent. If they don't like repent, I'll accept taught. You want some more verses on it? You get it? I'm going to keep feeding that fire. But it's like, what are you going to do about it? Because even if I'm brokenhearted, not my time. Not my time. Got it? Okay. So but I can't lead out of emotion. I can't get cranky at you. Why don't you read your Bible? Is Bobby Joe here? Uh, she's at a session. So I was going to ask her permission, but I'm just going to take it because I know her. So I just ran in her first group. We broke something, by the way. We let her lead a D2 group before a D1. That cemented that data. It's always your first group you lead is one. Then you do two. Then you do three. Just it, it. So we broke it. She was in there. She was trying to get these, this lady to read. And she's like, well, this is how I do it. And it really, when you listen to it, you think, well, she's just trying to help him. But how'd the person take it? Well, you're better than me. Quit the group. Not about you. 
Not about your emotions, not about your frustrations. You simply can eat. So, so you want to keep the blue hat on, right? Don't wear the red hat. So what does that mean? Slow, steady, guiding them, listening to the end, listening to the Holy Spirit, only saying something if it needs to be said. What was the hardest thing that I said in this mock group? Who was here for the mock group? What was the hardest thing that I said in the group? Yeah, when I asked Lisa a question, because God told me to ask the question, and I didn't want to ask the question. No red hat for us. Fine if they wear the red hat. In fact, it's good, because if I recognize I have the red hat on, then what do I have to do? If they're, wear, if they're wearing the red hat, they're just going off, well, just let them go off. And you can even say, because you've already shown them the six thinking hats illustration, we have this handout that you can walk them through. They, they, you go, what? You're clearly wearing the red hat. Yeah, me, I'm mad. Okay, go. <laughs> Just, just go. Or if they highlight angry at God verse, angry at God verse, angry at God verse, right? And you're looking at the pathway and you're thinking now, isn't it cool now you're thinking about like where they're at and what to give them? Just in two breakouts plus this one. So now I recognize clearly they're angry at God. So I'm going to start talking to them as somebody who's wearing a red hat, which we're not going to talk about new ideas or critical thinking. I'm not going to go, well, five times God loved you. Data isn't going to work. When you're wearing anybody else emotional in here at times, when you got the emotion hat on, the last thing you need is what? Data. A new idea. You just need to be, just listen to the end and don't say anything unless God wants you to say it, right? So it works both ways. Though you don't want to, the don't for you is, right, don't lead out of emotion. There's a good do in there too, which is you can accept where they're at, right? Because this isn't about you. This is about getting them. And it's okay. God created our emotions. You guys are aware of that, right? Emotions are a trigger and a warning for our, us. God created them. I hate it when people go, no, no, don't cry. Anybody else raised to not cry? Oh, that was fun. Nobody? Nobody was raised by a military dad. Come on. Hey, don't cry. Like The more you scream out, the more I want to cry. Don't cry. Like, okay. I love my dad. I love him. It, it was just a phase. All right. So... Your second don't is don't wear the data hat. But I know the answer. Fine. That's the way you're the one making the disciple. Now, why don't you give them the opportunity to learn the answer on their own? But what's the role of a pastor or a discipleship leader if I don't teach? I don't know. He didn't tell you to teach. It does. It says in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, and teach them what I've told you. Okay, we could get into Greek. We could go crazy. But the point is, what do you want you to do is pass the truth on that he taught. Who is the one who teaches? We made this argument in the first breakout. The Holy Spirit's the one who reminds us the word of God is what gives us the data points. Who's supposed to provide the data? The Bible. God. Who's supposed to provide that? God. Who's supposed to inspire it? God. What's your role? You just guide. Just keep them on the path. So when they go off and they go, well, I think, you go, uh-uh, we don't use that here. Why? Because I think takes them off the path. In the same way that John could have interrupted the Holy Spirit, I think interrupts the Holy Spirit. Let's go for no. The book's simple, right? Right? The book is simple. It's very clear. There's very few things that are confusing. Only Pharisees argue over those things. Like, the this, this stuff's pretty simple, right? Right? We, on our banners, we say what? Everybody says, right, what's the new hip one now? Love God, love others, make disciples, whatever it is, right? And yet we bring them in, and then all of a sudden we want to go talk to them about all this theological stuff that's 
way deep. Why could we just stick with the love? I, I was bought in on love God, <laughs> love others, and make disciples. Could we just do that? Well, no, no, no. Jesus keeps it simple. You don't supply the data. You don't have to have all the answers. If they really have something that's derailing them, a question you can't answer, then just either answer it or move on. What if they're asking for the data? Yeah, well, I want, I'm like, what does the book say? Yeah, so what? Can I find more No, so give me an example. Oh, this is beautiful. You ready? Come on up here. I was just asking if I had time for an example, so. Come on. Come on. You're terrified? Yeah. That's ah, okay. You should be. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm pretty awesome. No, uh, so we're in Genesis, and your question is? Uh, how do I know creation is true? Science tells us that evolution uh, is true. So how, how can that fit together? So how may I, the Bible and evolution fit together? Yes, it does. So can I ask you a question? Sure. When you signed up to read the Bible with me for a year, mm -hmm. did you think we were going to kind of read the Bible? Yeah. Okay. So what does the Bible say about creation? The God created the world in six days. Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> How do I know that's true? Does the Bible say so? I can't answer that for you, but I promise you by the end of the year, you'll know. Okay. We'll just read it, and I hope God will convince you that his word is true. But here we're looking at the book, and the book says? God created the world in six days. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I mean, if he doesn't convince you by the end of the year, I'll answer this for you. Oh. But I think, he, I think you can get it. Could you do that, though? Could you just be okay? With he created the world in six days. I mean, you, clearly you can't. So just say I, no. I can't. I just. Are you a Christian? Yes. Which is harder for Jesus to rise from the dead or to create the world in six days? <laughs> yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Cool. Next highlight. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Mike. You, clap or I'll call you up here. All right, good. So do you see how this works? I addressed his red hat of emotion. He wasn't talking out of it, but clearly he's nervous. Let's just accept it. And then he, he got comfortable. And I didn't berate him. Aren't you proud of me, Derek? I've learned so much from you. I didn't berate him. I wasn't too hard on him. And I knew where I was headed, but I didn't really ever answer him because the purpose of discipleship is not to reconcile the world to God. The purpose of discipleship is to discover God. And I, and I know over the course of a year that God can win you. I, I know you're not really lost, but God could win him. And God could get him there. So I have to exercise just that patience and not act out of emotion, right? Not lose my hat and not give him all the data. So I'm just going to guide him there and I'm going to be comfortable that it may take a while, but God's what? Big, if his highlight is I don't know if creation is real. We're going to have so much fun through the Old Testament. And eventually God's going to show him through simple comments like, which is easier? By the way, you're like, I would never know to ask that question. And this is why we have coaching. Because like you can dial us and go, they asked this. And we're like, tell them this. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. 
And in you, our whole goal is to make you superheroes inside of whatever culture or system you're using to just make you more effective disciple makers. So there's a ton of resources and we'll champion you all the way, right? Okay, black hat, critical thinking. Say it with me. We're gonna say four words of what we're gonna say. Ready? I, you do not say that with the same conviction that I said. I, I cannot, cannot be, be critical. critical. I think a great word, um, and I'm picking on, on Derek May because I'm in the front row, but there is a lot. He, he, a lot of these folks have done this, but Derek and I have had this really ongoing conversation where he has just picked my brain about this again and again for months now. And a, a word that, that I like that he uses is just to affirm them. It's something I learned in counseling. Anybody been to counseling? They, 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 they just tell you to affirm. They affirm you. They want you to affirm the truth of others. And it doesn't mean everything's right or wrong, but it's just like, I hear you, this or that. And so you, you don't need to be critical even when you're teaching critical thinking. So when I began to, I can't remember your name. I am so sorry. When I began to push back on Teresa, did you see me kind of just do a little dance with her? because I needed to get her to think critically, like what's in the book, but I didn't want to be critical of you. So I was just kind of like, I get where you're going and you're probably really capable, but if you had to ask, tell me, what does this have to do with you? You get it? But, but it, you don't want to be critical because especially in those couple months where you're building that trust and everything, guess what happens? Done. This is why Bobby Joe lost that girl, right? She perceived it as critical. It really wasn't. It was just emotional, but she perceived it as critical. Then she wasn't good enough because her, her self-worth was not nailed. And so she did what? Acted out of emotion. That's a terrible chain. By the way, she'll come back. You write it down. She'll boomerang. She'll boomerang back because she'll grow up a little bit and realize it really wasn't that. It was this. It's cool. God will get him. God will get him. So... You're not, their, you're not their critical crutch. You're not the one who has to figure it all out for them. Like, I'm not, I don't have to get you critical thinking, but I can ask you Socratic questions to get you thinking about, like, you know, how does this really work? Is this God? Is this biblical? Because people say, well, this is what I think. And I go, okay, but is that biblical? Because my entire goal, right, is for you to what? Gather data and connect data and learn from data. That's what? Very clear and easy, understandable in the Bible, Right? but I can't be critical. So what do we have? I do what? Control. I do control. Two, I don't do what? Lead on emotion. They're right there. I don't lead on emotion. I'm not the data. And what? I'm not critical. And I'm not your crutch for critical thinking at all. I'm just not. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna highlight the apparent contradictions in your highlights, but I'm gonna let you figure it out on your own. Does that make sense? I'm not going to be the trough you come to feed to. I know that's how the church is designed, but I'm not going to, I'm going to break that. I'm going to try to get you out of the high chair. Question was over here. So if somebody comes up with an idea, if they're reading the scripture and they read it quote unquote wrong, they are interpreting it some way that you don't think is there, and the group doesn't think it's there, you just let it go? Well, first, let's address the things that are wrong with what this man said. And we've been hanging out a lot, so I can pick on you. Okay, good. You ready? He said what? It's a very general question. It's a hypothetical question, right? Okay. And which is okay, because it, it, that's kind of okay. You, that I think, we don't care what I think. So if I don't know it's wrong, I keep my mouth shut. 
Then the question is, is it critical wrong or is it just eh, eh, temporary wrong? So, I mean, it, could this rest? Anybody here over the age of 45? I'll just lower it so everybody can feel okay. okay. Right, good. So anybody over the age of 45 knows this. When you look back, there's times where God took you through like eight, 10 years of a season. You didn't implode. You didn't walk away from Christ. And it took him time to get you there. Could we extend that grace to somebody else? So you have to determine whether this is critical. Is it going to derail them? If, they, if they've got something wrong about getting saved, yeah, we're going to speak into that. We're going to speak in it. We're going to ask questions. We're going to dig until we get them what they need to know, right? So if it, but if it's evolution, I can let that dog lie for two years and let God get it, right? Nothing. He's not going to walk away. I'm just going to keep asking him, are you saved? Yeah, we've got to figure it out. Stick with it, you know? So you have to figure out whether it's critical, whether it's not critical, you know? And then you need to make sure that it's not about your tradition or your denomination. No offense. Just not. Because in this process, you see denomination just disappears because it is just Bible and you have to answer Bible. You answer the Bible. They answer the Bible. When you do that, it gets so easy because I no longer have to think about what, well, this and that. Like on the issue of eternal security and people go back and forth about it. No offense, wherever you're at, I'm fine. But now the Bible's just got some really clear verses that if you just look at them and forget where you came from, you're kind of like, well, that makes sense. Right? Yes. Critical to me means they could walk away from discipleship. I am a, I am a retention guru. I want to keep you in that group, no matter how I, how I keep in that group. So if it's going to derail you in your faith, so if it's like you're believing something totally wrong about God, well, God hates me. I'm fixing that one. Right? Or if it's going to be something that's going to pull you out of the group, I'm going to. But. So if, they, if they're the kind of, there is no God, then they probably wouldn't be there. Oh, I'm fine. You can stay in my group and say there's no God. Okay. Because you're lying. You wouldn't be there. It, yeah, I learned this. So I was an atheist. I was an atheist. I never talked about God because I didn't believe in God. I didn't waste my time. We don't talk about things, we don't investigate things that we aren't curious about or don't believe are true. Give me an atheist. Favorite, favorite person to make a disciple out of. Yeah, you know, and at the same time, there are times in creed off ramps. If somebody's derailing a group, I'd be like, hey, we're going to start doing coffee, you and me, because you're killing this group, but I'm in. So I'm still trying to retain them, but I just realized this isn't, dynamic's not working. Okay? All right, so, so we have you get no emotion, no data, not being their critical thinking, and I'm not going to be their source of inspiration and creativity. God, I wish Amber were watching this on video. Are you married? Do you, you, would you like to tell your husband sometimes, stop trying to fix everything? Did you know I did a sermon once and it was on what women want? Idiot, stupid me actually asked the entire congregation on Facebook what women want. All of them boiled down to like three or four things, that being one of them. The top one that got a standing ovation, however, was authored by my wife. And said, listen to the end. It's the same thing. Stop trying to fix everything. You don't need to inspire them. He needs some support. They, if they're going to be out of the high chair, they need to get not just their data from God and their conviction from God, but their inspiration from God, which is conviction. It's, we just call it convincing. 
You need to let God convince them that they can, like you can do this. They need to let God convince them. Because if I whip them up into a fury, if I become that, as soon as I'm not that, then where did they go? They go look for somebody else to be their inspiration. We need Jesus. We need God. We need the Bible. This is what a whole last thing was about. Once you realize that people need God's word, then you need to get them in all of God's word. Don't tell me they need God's word and curate it. I don't know who you are, but I don't think your name's Holy Spirit. Just give them all of God's word and let him sort it out, right? So don't be their inspiration. Don't go, did you see that? Every once in a while, you saw me in a group a couple times and said, did you notice your prayers are lining up with your verses? That's only because it's a mock group. I would not probably do that very rarely in a real group because they'll figure it out. But I'm trying to accelerate the process and show you. I sent these people off to read. They read. They came back. Their prayers lined up perfect with what they highlighted. That, they, that's why 95%. That's why this works because he's the executor. That's cool. All right. So. I know I'm not going to be their new idea. So I'm not going to be their inspiration. Their, I'm not going to tell them what their next great step is. Anybody here seen somebody gifted by God? You're like, they'd make a great pastor. Then you told them and then they died. Nobody? I'm the only one. I'm a murderer. Yeah, no. Never tell something. So I don't care if you see it. Even if you see it, you need to stop and go, God, do I need to say anything? Maybe he just told you so you'd pray. Maybe you just have the gift of prophecy. I don't care what it is. But the bottom line is you tell somebody something, something about their life and what they're called to before that. And it's like when you go, you're on your 15th date and one of you says, I don't know. Do you think we might like to get married? All dating just cease. You've stopped building a relationship. Every moment from that on is going to be wrapped up in the concept of the what? The wedding. And when you tell somebody something before they need to hear it from God, you can totally derail them. They're not ready yet. First Timothy 3. They get out there before they're ready and they get devoured by Satan. And then according to the last one, they become a dead panda. And who's responsible? I'm not their source of inspiration or call. Who is? Him. Guys, we, we just, if you're one of these narcissistic leaders like I was at one point, you need to take a big, deep breath because you are not the Holy Spirit and God doesn't need you. He just needs you to guide people to Him. All right, cool. Um, <clears throat> just in, the, in the line of kind of codependency spiritually, I am also not their hope. I'm not going to just keep rescuing them and pumping them up and everything else. Like you might have to get tough and just go, have you noticed you're pretty depressing? Like, why? We just read this book on identity and you're still depressing. How can I help you? That sounds hard, but like, so just on a side note, we, we have a contract with a counseling service because we are not therapists and this isn't a therapy group and it's not a recovery group. It's not an accountability group, none of that. So if somebody really has an issue, because they do, I want them. Mental health needs to be a really open issue, just to be acceptable. I think we've really in this generation gone way over on the excuse of anxiety so when people say anxiety to me, I go, good, I'm going to put you in a 72-hour hole. And they're like, no, I feel better. It's just an excuse. But if somebody really has an issue, we get them with a counselor. But you can't be that person who's just, you, you cheer them on, but you can't be their cheerleader. Right? I mean, you know that song other than me? Nobody listens to pop. Am I not allowed back in Indiana because I listen to pop now and then? <laughs> So, 
Yes. And if God tells you to say something, you should. This is where you say we're listening, but it is not my primary role. Whose role is it? Who do we really want them to hear that from? His word, his spirit, right? But there are times when we can't see and we need somebody to, so yes, absolutely. Not saying don't speak, saying what? Listen, guide, but, but you're the under guide. He's the guide. So don't mess up his process. But yeah, of course, we're supposed to encourage each other, uplift each other. When I say, we cheer your mom all the time. They get good highlights. We're like, that's awesome. I'm talking about this kind of source of eternal hope, like instead of Jesus and salvation and their identity, you know, where we're like, you know, no, I love, you know, that kind of, I'm struggling for a word. Do you guys get the concept? Okay, cool. All right. So they can wear all of these hats. You can wear none of these hats. Got it? This discipleship time is not time for you to think up new ideas for them or you or to try out stuff. It is not time for you to go and do all your critical thinking. You just not time for you to talk about your highlights, what you thought, how God did this. Not time, not your time. Whose time is it? Even if there's 10 people in the room, whose time is it? Theirs and I'm the guide. And when I shift from it, it's theirs and there's, and I don't, I don't get involved. I don't get, I go home and worry about them. I go home and everything, but I'm not doing that in this group because the guide, I need to keep my eye on the trail and my eye on the ball and I need to get them there. Get them where? To get his truths in year one. To put in year two, to connect those and become smarter. In year three, what? To become super smart and assimilate these truths so that they can navigate the unknowns. And by this time, by the way, you're gonna be thrilled with them because they're just gonna be changing the, the lives around them. People are gonna be like, what has happened to you? And they're like, dude, this is it. I just read the Bible for you. You want to read with me? It's unstoppable. We're going to talk about it in the last session, the Evergreen session. Unstoppable. Okay. So you have to have the blue hat on, but always watch for what hat they're wearing. Now, I could use more of a dose of this. Again, picking on Derek because he's, I think, much better than this, at least when I'm watching the videos. And I don't know about You guys have never made videos for me, so... But he's good at this because, like, he'll figure out what hat they're wearing, and it's like he kind of changes clothes. You know what I mean? Not literally, but yeah. But he, you know, he just changes, and he adapts to them, and it's a beautiful thing. So, like, you need to, like, what you'd never let go of your hat, but, like, if they're in yellow hat mode, let's throw some fire in that, right? They might be the one who provides hope to somebody else in the room indirectly. If they're having a creative moment, what could I do with God? I mean, let's feed that. Like, recognize it. If it's red hat, just... Don't fix it. Just step back. Right? If they're collecting data, go, wait, that's a great point. Because everything's not an aha. Sometimes it's just like, gee, I didn't realize God created cows. Oh, that's cool, man. Move on. And you go like, that is so stupid and useless. No, it's not. They realize he created cows. Just let it go. Because most of us are wrong anyway, right? Because when we pray to bless our food, what do we say? Bless this food to nourishment of our body. It's so good that I'm not God, because I would laugh audibly from heaven. I'm not going to do that. That's a stupid prayer. I designed it. I designed it to nourish your body. This is a stupid prayer. By the way, could you go back and read Deuteronomy, where I told them how to bless the food? Do you know how to bless the food? Baruch Adonai, Elheinu Melech Halom, Hamotzi Ben Horetz. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. The blessing, you're supposed to bless him, not it. 
This is what discipleship do. So now I pray these cool prayers. My kids do too. They're they think I'm nuts. But I still, I mean, I'll just gather together because I'm just a disruptor. You know, I'll be like, God, thanks for cows and pigs because that's what this pork is, is barbecue's made of. I just want to tell you, thank you for creating cows and pigs and people who knew how to cook it. Thank you. Thank you so much for setting me free that I could eat pigs. I want to bless your name. And I do it in a Southern way. Thank you for bringing pigs forth from the earth. Bless you, God. Really, seriously, thanks for the money. Thanks for everything. I just bless you for everything you've done. We all bless you. And then eat. How much more powerful it is to give glory to him instead of like, oh, you bless this my... I have God, like you'd be eating cheesecake, I'd make you fat. You'd be like, bless this nurse my body. Stupid prayer. Boom. <laughs> so it's like we're doing in that... In those first few minutes of prayer, this is what we're doing. We're trying to teach people, God, we're just all, and, and this, listen, don't be hard on them or us. We created this stuff, but we just, it's just all like this routine and this stuff that we, we've inherited. We're not even having real conversations with God until she leaves us. We're not having real conversations with God until he dies in that car wreck. We're not having real, now that's not all of you. Some of you are probably way more far superior, but I'm going to tell you, your congregation isn't. Because we've done the data, the surveys are out. They don't know God. They don't feel like they know how to understand God's word. They don't feel like any of us have asked them to be in discipleship. They don't feel like they have been discipled. And I'll tell you something, in the realm of disciple making, perception is reality. Dead pandas. We've got to stop it. We've got to get them away from the lions. So when we're running a group, these are one do, blue hat, Five don'ts. Okay, cool. Does that make sense? All right. So, uh, oh, I can do this. What the heck? You ready? So the promise of this talk is that you would kind of know the hearts of your disciples, right? We said, like, if you get this down pat, you can learn to know. Because the only one who knows their hearts is what? God and them. Sometimes they don't, but they do generally, but there's no way I can. So I'm in a group of 10 people. How do I reach them? So I'm watching. I'm watching for what hats they're wearing and everything else. So let me just give you a couple tips. Do you have blanks? All right, let's do your, you guys love blanks. Got to fill in the blanks. Ready? Let's do the blanks. It, it's going to go kind of quick because we already talked about all this. Ready? So number one, use the pathway. And I don't, do we have a pathway slide in this one to show them? Can you pop there real quick? This, if you haven't seen, if anybody not seen this, you've not been in the breakout? Okay, this pathway is a highly predictable pathway for the first three years of somebody's discipleship, whether they've been a Christian for 800 years or eight days. I promise you, they will learn along this pathway, okay? So use the pathway. Like if you're actually, you're gonna try to lead them in the group, pay attention to where they are. I can't cover the whole pathway. We talked about it in a previous talk and I and would love to talk to you about it, but I don't have time because this is, it's a super cool. We have a, a virtual workshop launch today because people far away. I still think maybe in person might be better. I don't know. Try it out. Do whatever you want. Uh, we're working on putting a book out that describes this world. We're happy to talk to you. But, but use this pathway. Like, are they kind of stuck at being convicted but never repenting? Or are they repenting? But, and now they're teachable. So now I'm going to talk to them as that. Does that make sense? Can you go back, Tim? So, so in other words, as you're using a pathway, watch where they be. We call it B comes for do. Are B, are they, have they become convicted? Have they become enlightened? Have they become 
You get it? So just look at those things. Like, who are they? This is we love identity. So look at who they are becoming. But the only way you can do that is by looking at what? What they're doing. Like, there's a point where you have to look at, you can intuitively feel it. But, but who we are in the side, inside comes out. Like, you show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith. What? By my works? Not a works-based faith, but it's just like, I have my faith and it's going to work out. So you can watch the do's to figure out where they are. So if you want to know their hearts, their hearts is who they what? Be? Flashback, Tim. Do they be convicted? Do they be enlightened? Do they be called? Do they be prepared? Are they prepared? Are they a prepared person? Are they consecrated? Have they gone all in on the poker table of Christianity? Like, is it all out there? They're in. Are they a servant-driven person? Not a servant, but I mean, literally, they see it through that eyes. Are they kingdom-minded? Try to figure out who they be, because that will reveal to you their hearts. So look at their dues, and then big one is this. Listen to their prayers. Listen, can you go back setting filler blanks in? Listen to their prayers. All right, good. All right, so first, know their hearts. Two, know how to guide them. We've already said this, so I'm just going to zoom through it. Okay, you ready? Stop and listen to them. So stop. Do we have a slide for this or no? Yay. It's magic. Stop. Listen to them. Look at their highlights. <laughs> Pay attention to what God's doing. And push them to the next step. I know we're just filling blanks, but we've talked about all this, right? Makes sense. So stop, slow down, keep your blue hat on. Don't be emotional. Do you see how it's coming together? Listen to them. Look at their highlights. Figure out where they are and then do what? Move them. Move them to that next place. Does it make sense? Once I've convicted and I repent and I convicted, I repent, I'm mastering this. God's showing me, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Then I'll be looking and saying, hey, listen. What do you think God's teaching you, right? Do you see where I'm going? I'm trying to move them to this open to be taught. And what, do, what are you learning? What scriptures are feeding into this? I'm trying to, right? They're collecting the truths, but I'm kind of dropping in some of these Socratic questions to, to get them to go to that next step and be taught, right? To see what I'm saying? And once they start knowing stuff and they start being enlightened, well, there's a whole, I can't talk about all this right now because we don't have time. But like there's, there's three places, there's four reasons and three places where everybody falls out. So as they move into enlightened, that's one of them. It's the punk phase. They're like 18, 20 year olds. Well, I know stuff now. I don't need you. And so we have a guy at our church called the Punk Buster. His name is Greg. We send him out to dinner and he just looks at him and goes, you're being a punk. It's straight. And they take it. And he just fixes them because we're in the what? Retention business. I keep hearing all this stuff, not necessarily here, but I keep hearing all this stuff. Like, well, we won't make disciples unless a senior pastor's in. And we won't do this with that. And we have to commit to this. You have to sign that. Dude, can that's like every mission agency in the world's corrupted. Like 800 steps I have to go through to go share the gospel. Who died and made you Jesus? Well, if you want us to support you, okay, I get it. One of my best friends formed an agency where all they did was shift the paradigm. They said, if you can get an invitation from somebody to serve in the mission field and you demonstrate to us that you're called, we will do everything in our power to get you there. They still qualify them. They still do all the stuff. But with the attitude of, we are going to send you, not we're not. 
kind of innocent till proven guilty, right? Do disciple making this way. Let everybody in. Believe in everybody. Push them to the next step. All right, how to lead them individually. When you talk to them, what? John, say these things with me. When you talk to them, talk to them. And, and what, John? No what? Cross-talking. No cross-talking. That's what, what he kept trying to do. So you don't get to talk about what she's talking about. Ah, stop, right? No outside conversation. So you go off and you read all week, and you don't go and you don't go and call your friend and go, hey, let's highlight this. What did you highlight? Eh, 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 stop. Why? Because that person's not the guide. They're in the same group. They may not know what they're doing. You're the guide. You want all that to come to fruit in the Holy Spirit with some skill, maybe some guiding, right? And where nine other people or three other people or two, whoever your group size is, can also get that exponential learning. You know this, right? Something big happens in your day, so you run into your best friend, you tell them. Then you get home and you tell your spouse, goes, what happened today? And you go, eh, not much. So no losing the fire, no outside talk. You do group in group. Does that make sense? These all work, by the way. All these are part of a strategy of just incredible groups. And everybody shares every one of their highlights. Everybody. Everybody's important. Every highlight's important. How big's your group? Do you get done on time? Uh, within five or seven minutes, but yeah. Every time. Real-time answers. All right. So how to lead them in a group. Dude, I have two minutes. Are you ready? Okay, how to lead them in a group. <laughs> you need an inflexible agenda. It is not a flexible agenda. You do not start with dinner. You do not start late. You start on time, and if they aren't there, move on. You don't text them, are you coming to group? Will I see you tomorrow? Uh-uh. No, you're the guide. They don't show up for the climb. They don't show up for the climb. Deal with it later. You're not begging them. It's their privilege to be in this group. Assume that. Like every trainer, raise the bar. They'll rise to it. You have an inflexible agenda. Five minutes of prayer. This is ours. You can do whatever you want. But whatever you do, you need it. I'm telling you, in every successful discipleship program, you need an inflexible agenda. So the one we do that works is five minutes of prayer, 55 minutes of Bible, 35 minutes of the extra reading that we do, like outside reading that just amplifies. I told you about that at the beginning. You need to remember, it's like, this is not a dinner club. This is fight club. This is not dinner club. It's fight club. This is not like, oh, made me feel good about myself. This is like, let's get in there and get this promise that God gave us for a full and abundant life. Because by God, everything we've been doing so far hasn't quite done it. So you're going to have to say to people, hey, listen, I know this is a different method and a different thing, but, but don't we need something different? Okay, good. Can you be here on time next time? Yeah, good. It's not a hobby. It's important. And I'm going to tell you, I would get an agenda. We have one that works 90% of the time. If you want it, we'll give it to you. You need an agenda. You need a plan for every time you get together of exactly what you're doing. It will keep you on track. All right. And then I would say this. You need to lead. We've already nailed that at the beginning, but you need to lead. You need to be out there up front. Okay, even if you've never read the Bible and you're starting a group, fake it till you make it. Make sure you're two or three weeks ahead of them in reading so God has a chance to, you know, fester it or ferment it, something better than fester. Ferment it in your heart. <laughs> you got it? And then what? And then what? Don't talk too much. And keep them moving. You got to lead. Because if you don't lead, they will. 
And they don't know because they haven't been here. Does that make sense? Okay, so not your discipleship. Use the Socratic method, which is the way Jesus taught. So it should be called the Jesus method because did he come before Socrates? I think so. No? No? Oh, well, then he stole it. Okay, but anyway, so use the Socratic method. I don't do geography and I clearly don't do history. Use the Socratic method. Ask lots of questions. Let the Holy Spirit answer them in their heart, even if you know the answer. All right, shameless plug, 3.30. We're going to do evergreens. We're going to talk about how you get this. You get this implanted and you make it go. I, you can stay and we will answer questions and talk to you, but I encourage you to go to the main session. Okay, if you want, huh? 3.30, what other day would it be? Yeah, I am going to be home in my sweet baby's arms tomorrow, kids. I ain't going to be with you. We're going on a dinner date. I can't, I've been nine, ten days. I haven't seen my girl. So, no. That'd be 3.30 today. Ignore the slide. Hey, listen, if you're not coming back and you want to connect with us and just hear from us, we do not spam. We're not, we have nothing to sell, so blah, blah, blah. You can text Waldo to 66866. You can do that. And... Then Tim's going to put up this slide. Here's some scan codes if you want resources or other stuff. You can when you text Waldo to 66866, it'll give you a little quick form to fill out, or you can see any of them, and they can help you. Um, again, we don't spam anything. We just want to help. So if we can help you, we're here. All right, that wraps up the episode for today. We've got one more episode with Doug Burrier, and it's titled Just Make Six, How to Launch Your Discipleship Group. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Hey, if you haven't bought your tickets already for the Nashville City Tour that's coming up October 27th and 28th, I highly recommend that you go over to our website and do that right now. You're not going to want to miss that. I heard the worship is going to be out of this world. I'm kidding. I'm the one leading worship, if you didn't know that. So I'm really looking forward to the event. So make sure you come on out and hang out with us and learn how to be a better disciple maker. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for joining us. And I hope to catch you on the next episode. We'll see you.